Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. Hi, I'm Monica, your host for today's episode. With a remarkable journey that began in investment banking, Erica Irish Brown, City's Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer and Global Head of Talent, shares how seeking guidance and sponsorship from unlikely sources propelled her career. As a lifelong learner and dedicated advocate for giving back, Erica understands the importance of mentorship and sponsorship in achieving professional success. Hailing from a Caribbean family in Brooklyn, Erica's educational background and commitment to lifting up community have played key roles in shaping her success. In fact, she was brought up with the saying, to whom much is given, much is required. As a successful professional in the world of investment banking, Erica knew something was missing. She wanted to leave a lasting legacy and make a difference in the lives of others, particularly those with diverse backgrounds. This desire led her to take a leap of faith and transition into the world of diversity, equity, and inclusion, even before it became a recognized field. Along the way, Erica discovered the immense value of mentorship and the powerful role that sponsors play in supporting one's career growth. By harnessing the wisdom and guidance of those influential figures, Erica was able to unlock her full potential and create a lasting impact in her field. Join us to hear more about Erica's inspiring story. Visit GoBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Erica. Welcome, Erica. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are thrilled to have you here. And um, you and I go way back because the DNI world is really small and we're always crossing paths. And so we're thrilled to have you here today. And um, really to kind of get to know you and learn a little bit more about your journey. Um, as you know, our podcast, we really like to try to democratize access to leaders like you so others can see it and be it and learn how you did it and maybe follow in your footsteps. So uh, let's start with your story. Um, you know, what have you learned uh, in your journey um, over the course of your career and now in the you know, leadership role you find yourself at City? Uh, well, first of all, let me say thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be doing this. And we do go way back. And we go back to the diversity, equity, inclusion days uh, before it was really a thing. Yes. Right? <laughs> and um, and I am so proud of those of us who have stuck with it and blazed the trail into mm-hmm. the field that it is today uh, and recognize for the important role it plays in business uh, and in the yes. world. So, Absolutely. Um, so it's great to be here with you and that we both are still standing. <laughs> <laughs> Barely, but we're still standing. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, so my story uh, is uh, I'm from a Caribbean family born in Brooklyn. I'm the youngest of five children. And um, my parents always said, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm, And uh, that was something that I took to heart all along the way. And I as I had the benefit of a great education that led to a career in investment banking. Uh, You know, a lot of people don't realize that I started my career 
as an investment yes. banker on the revenue uh, and side. Was yes. in the field on the front lines for almost 15 years, uh, where I said, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, what we now call DEI was my second job, you know, and something that I did in addition to my role as a banker. And it's something that I, you know, felt was really important. And again, to whom much is given, much is required. Right. And for as much as I found opportunity and a, a great challenging career, I wanted to make sure that there were other people like me, other people with diverse backgrounds that could have the same opportunity to enjoy a, a Wall Street career mm-hmm. like I had growing up in New York, you know, just miles away from Wall Street. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know what that was until, you know, probably about my junior year in college. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was really an opportunity to uh, have this career. And certainly, uh, once I was advanced in the career, also became a parent and started thinking about my legacy, moving into diversity, equity, inclusion on a full-time basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I felt like it was a privilege and uh, and since that time, I've really tried to be an agent of change. Uh, what I've learned along the way, Monica, is that um, I started to be more successful when I started to use my voice and be my authentic self. Mm. And that was before people were telling you to be your authentic self right. in this place. But that's really when I was able to differentiate my she- myself, uh, demonstrate what my unique perspectives were, my unique networks were, and my unique abilities. And so that's something that I really uh, take to heart, that once I really was being authentic and using my voice, that accelerated my career. Uh, The other thing that I learned along the way is that nobody does it on their own. And very often, uh, women and people of color are reluctant to ask for help uh, because they view it as a as a sign of weakness, yes. Perhaps that they are less than. And I think what the real secret is is that everybody's asking for help and getting help, mm-hmm. and therefore we're putting ourselves at a disadvantage when we're not asking for help, when we're not looking for you know mentors and sponsors and and asking all the right questions, yes. Um, and creating the right allyship and collaboration, mm-hmm. and, you know, to move forward in our work and, and ultimately our careers. Yes. So I think that that's really important as well. And something I know that I didn't realize until I became much more a senior person. Mm. Um, the only other thing I would say that I've learned along the way high level is that if you don't ask, you don't get. Mm, yes. And that. I, yes. I think again, you know, I talked about asking for help, but also when you ask for the assignment, ask for the role, ask for the the promotion, ask for the pay increase, whatever those things are. And frankly, that's true in personal issues as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but if you don't ask, if you and if you don't make your interests and desires known. Mm-hmm. Then they very often are not accommodated, mm. you know, and you certainly, you know, they may not be accommodated if you've asked, but at least you, you've put yourself out there. And, and that's, that's in line with sort of that risk reward equation, right? Mm-hmm. You do have to take risks. You do have to ask for the order. You do have to raise your hand. You do have to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And 
And, you know, the higher the risk, the higher the return. And oh, so yes. I encourage people to um, take risks in their career as I have, uh, you know, leaving mm-hmm. investment banking to move into diversity, equity, inclusion at a time yes. when it wasn't yet um, a, a a role as it is today at yeah. the attention of boards of directors and CEOs and mm-hmm. um, and considered important in the corporate atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, even that was a risk. Uh, yes. There are things that we take for granted now that as I reflect on my career, whether or not it's taking an assignment abroad, an expat assignment, mm-hmm. uh, switching fields, things that were risks that paid off. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we consider that the norm, but at the time it wasn't. So, right. you know, when you think about going forward and when people think about going forward, uh, where can they be a trailblazer? Where can they take risks? What aren't other people doing at this point in time? Um, and how can that be a way to differentiate themselves? Those are the mm-hmm. types of things we should uh, constantly be asking ourselves and constantly raising the bar on um you know, what we're doing and where we want to go. Mm. Oh my gosh, you dropped so many nuggets there that I've got to, like, I want to drill down into a couple of them. Um, you mentioned how important it was to have mentors and sponsors and allies, and you, you know, didn't realize how important those things were when you, you know, initially kind of like came into into this world, right? Can you share a little bit about um, once you figured that out, because like you said, we didn't know what we didn't know, right? First generation college, first generation corporate, like, you know, you get in there, you don't know what you don't know. How did you start to identify those mentors and sponsors? And how difficult was it for you, given that many of them, I'm betting, didn't look like you who started opening the doors for you? So how did you start that process? And how did you kind of start growing your network and being intentional on those relationships? No, that's a great question. And what I will tell you is that I always had the benefit of mentors and sponsors. Mm -hmm. And I had an assigned mentor from the time I was an intern Mm -hmm. uh, before I graduated from college. And she is still my mentor to this day, as far (laughs) as I'm concerned. Um, And she really was a difference me difference maker in my career. Mm -hmm. Um, I always looked for people who could help me do my role, Mm. that I could ask questions. And a lot of times that came through working relationships. Mm -hmm. It also came through relationships where there was a feeling of of trust, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. one of my mentors uh, from my banking days, uh, someone that's very well known, Carla Harris, Mm, uh, you know, yes. she always talks about a mentor being somebody that knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes. And and you have to have some trust in relationship, mm-hmm. especially to share the bad and the ugly. Yes, yes. And and so I think that that's really important. And also, I think it's important to say that every mentor, to your point, didn't look like me. But also, they don't all have to be super senior. They could mm-hmm. be peers. They can even be people junior to you or of of a different background. Mm -hmm. So I think when we all think of mentors, we think about the most senior person that we can possibly imagine. And that's not always the case. Even Mm -hmm. now, 
I think of some of my junior talent with uh, perspectives very different than mine mm-hmm. as mentors to me, mm-hmm. you know, in a reverse mentoring type of way. So um, mentors play a role along the way and at every level. And even I had to round out my cadre of mentors when I moved from banking to human resources and diversity, Mm, equity, inclusion. Mm -hmm. So you also have to think about what are the competencies, what are the challenges um, that you think a mentor can help you navigate as Mm -hmm. part of your career journey. So um, I've always taken advantage of mentors. I've always realized I needed them. Mm-hmm. And again, it really unleashed my career the more I was willing to ask for help and mm-hmm. and and certainly got it from these mentors. You right. know, going back to sponsors, um, you know, I don't know who all my sponsors have been. Some mm-hmm. of my mentors have yes. certainly turned into sponsors. But I think the best thing about sponsors is that a lot of times they exist. And they're the one pounding the table for you and you don't even know it. Yes. And what I've always tried to do is do my best work and try to like earn sponsorship. Yes. And hope that people advocate for in the room for me, like I now advocate in the room for other people. Mm-hmm. So um, again, my mentor, Carla Harris, will tell you a sponsor should know the good, the good and the good. Yes. And that's always what I've tried to, you know, put forward day to day in my work at every level. And I'm hopeful that that um, that messaging carried forward. I think it did based on, you know, some of the career opportunities I've been afforded. Mm. You said some really important things in terms of the mentors you were seeking out and they can be at different levels. They can be lateral to you, above you, below you. And you can really kind of ask and start developing that relationship. And they know the good, the bad, the ugly, and the trust is there. Mm -hmm. The important thing I think you really did say about sponsors is that you earn that sponsorship through your performance, through your hard work. And they usually are the ones who are in a place of influence or power that are behind closed doors, pounding the table for you. Um, And I think that's really important because we get the question all the time, in our program is like, how do I find a sponsor? How do I ask them? Now, you probably could because sometimes mentors turn into sponsors. But I think what you said that is so important that I hope our listeners caught on to is that you earn that sponsorship, right? Um, Through that work. And sometimes you don't even know who's pounding the table for you and you find out after the fact. Um, But it's because you earned it. I think that is so, so powerful. Yeah. And, you know, the only other thing I would add about mentor relationships is that they do take work. Mm -hmm. It's like anything else. What you put in is what you get out. And the most effective mentoring relationships I've had, both as mentee and mentor, are the ones where, you know, we both came in prepared. Mm -hmm. And certainly as a mentee, being prepared means really coming with a problem to solve, a specific Mm. question, a specific challenge, uh, you know, how did you decide or this or, you know, I think the more specific you are, the more a person can be thoughtful and help you with their response, Mm. especially given limited time. I think a lot of times junior people come and they want a mentor and they know the concept and they just want to be mentored. 
Yes, yes. But around what and how and, you know, what's the challenge? Mm -hmm. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? You know, mm -hmm. and, and the more that 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 mentoring relationship is centered around a potential challenge, the more you can be helped to navigate that challenge. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important as well. You know, you can't just ask somebody, just mentor me, you know, like right. you can't just sit and be mentored. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and also there's, there's a lot of research that can be done ahead of a session, you know, mm -hmm. especially for senior people, you know, there's a lot that you can find out about them uh, before you're sitting down in front of them asking specific questions. Mm. I think what you said is so tangible on knowing the ask or knowing the challenge or something that you're solving for, because if you don't know what the outcome is going to be or the goal, then how are you going to get there? Um, and like you said, just going to a, a mentor and saying, mentor me, I mean, that's going to be exhausting. And that mentor will probably <laughs> meet with you once and then be like, uh, no. Um, so yes, it, they're, they're, like you said, it's the preparation, the research and really digging deep and saying, what am I trying to solve for? What can this mentor help me do? Right. Yeah. I think that is so, so important. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results and advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's, core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about you know, you have have an amazing career and where you were the investment banker, then you, you know, you transitioned and changed lanes, you went into the DEI space. And that was a challenge in and of itself. And like you said, you had to be intentional on kind of closing the gap, right? Or the, that learning curve. Um, talk a little bit about the your decision, like, how did you weigh the upside, the downside? And then two, what did you do to kind of hit the ground running and kind of like, you know, learn and close that gap? Sure. So, you know, for me, I was so much more passionate about, you know, what I was doing in addition to my day job. Mm. And I was definitely very focused on uh, what would be my legacy when you think about leaving your children at home to go to work every day. So yeah. becoming a mother definitely had an impact on that decision. Um but again, it was a risk and it was frankly a leap of faith because it was mm -hmm. not an established field quite yet. Yes. And it was a significant decrease in pay. Mm. Um, I certainly knew that I would not be welcomed back, you know, on the line. <laughs> right. After, you know, after leaving it. Um, so, so it was a difficult decision that I actually could not have imagined, frankly, what has been nothing but upside mm. um, overall in terms of my career. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought it was worthwhile. I thought it was important. I certainly felt like it gave me a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And I really felt like I could be a voice that would have impact, giving what I felt was the level of impact I was having even doing it, you know, a couple of hours a week. Right. So, right. um, so that made, um, that made it an easy decision to make 
although it was very risky and came at a cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of how I, you know, prepared for it, a lot of the work I had previously done on a volunteer base basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, was preparation. But the other thing that I think became a key differentiator for me is maybe that I wasn't that prepared from a classic HR practitioner standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I've always approached diversity, equity, inclusion as a business, as a business Mm -hmm. imperative with a strategy. You know, being a banker, the first thing I did was seek out the data at a time oh. when firms weren't taking a data-driven approach. Right. And mm-hmm. at a time where it really was more viewed as the right thing to do than a business imperative. And yes. I always saw it as a business imperative. And even as I had shared earlier, I saw some unique opportunities that I was able to seize and able to differentiate myself and connect with certain clients and gain certain business through my identity and mm-hmm. what made me unique as a Black woman in investment banking. So I always felt like there was a business case for diversity from what I had experienced early on mm-hmm. and approached it like a business. Mm-hmm. So I think that that practical, strategic, business-driven approach was one um, that was well-received and delivered yes. in the language of, you know, of what were my, you know, colleagues and now my clients and in, yes. in business uh, in a way that they could uh, understand, appreciate, and, and frankly, buy in to the vision for, mm-hmm. you know, what we were trying to accomplish in the diversity, equity, inclusion space. Mm. And that is so powerful in terms of recognizing the, you know, that was a strength. That was like a a tool that you were bringing that you kind of, you understood the business and you knew to align the strategies to that business case that then you were kind of bridging that divide and speaking the language of the leaders who actually need to lead by example, right? Opposed to something being pushed on them. They're, they're kind of seeing it as this is actually going to impact the bottom line. I think that's so powerful. And the data that you were saying that, you know, just getting the data and really being able to tell a story with the numbers is so powerful. Um, yeah. The other thing that I think I had with uh, leaders in the business was credibility. Because I did know the business, because I did know what it took to be successful, um, and I understood their strategies and tried mm-hmm. to align a human capital strategy and a diversity strategy mm-hmm. with their business strategies. So I think the importance of building credibility is mm-hmm. something that I would highlight here. Mm-hmm. I also think that building relationships is important and credible relationships yes. can lead to mutually beneficial partnerships. Mm. I think the other thing that I wanted to make sure is that I demonstrated how I could add value and mm-hmm. how this strategy could add value to their business. Mm-hmm. And most people will not turn down the offer of additional value, yes. but it has to be positioned in a way that they can appreciate it. And also in partnership, Mm -hmm. like most people, when you're working on something, if it's just like that other person's idea or that other person's agenda, or that they feel like they have no skin in the game, there was no collaboration in the decision-making and that partnership in the goal and setting the objectives, Mm -hmm. um, you know, without that buy-in, without that partnership, 
without that relationship and credibility and, and aligned, you know, mutually beneficial outcomes, mm-hmm. I think that it would have been a lot more challenging. But mm-hmm. I feel like that yes. was the approach I took, uh, which was the approach I would take as a banker or as, mm-hmm. you know, when I was uh, leading biz dev at BET. And that's the same approach I took uh, in my diversity roles. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, the outcomes were were uh, impactful. Mm-hmm. And once you have a track record of success, you know, you can gain traction and su- success begets success. Mm. That's so insightful. I want to double click and really kind of maybe pull the thread on. You talked about how, you know, this this is kind of showing a little bit how you embraced your authenticity, your, you know, the experiences that you had. And when you went over into the DEI space, you didn't, you know, you didn't necessarily assimilate and like forget all of that. You leveraged that, right? Can can you talk about the power of, like you said, when you started seeing a lot of traction in your career trajectory was when you brought your, you know, that diversity of thought that you had in you and you started embracing all of your own lived experience as well as your authentic way. And then that's how you were differentiating yourself. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because we we see so many times where individuals come in and they try to assimilate and that's so dangerous, right? They become something they're not. And then sometimes their performance like will go down. But, you know, how do you make sure that you're acculturating, but not assimilating and really embracing this idea of authenticity? Yeah, I think authenticity is, is the key to success. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Kenji Yoshino did a lot of work and came out with the concept of covering and the cost of covering. Yes. And, and the fact that, you know, we all cover and that just limits ultimately productivity because effort and time is spent covering versus uh, manifesting your destiny and yes. doing the work and, and using your unique strengths and, and your unique voice in mm-hmm. the workplace. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I do think that there were things that I had to learn, by the way, being an mm-hmm. HR leader and professional. And even as I got more senior, you know, from being a mid-level manager to being an executive and an right. enterprise mm-hmm. leader. So it's not that we don't have to evolve. And it's not that with every role, there aren't certain competencies and behaviors that go along with it. But that mm-hmm. doesn't challenge your authenticity. Right. right. But you do have to continuously develop yourself and learn. And, you know, we talked earlier about mentors, you know, and, mm-hmm. and being mentored in those roles and in those places and spaces. And mm-hmm. even how I would challenge decisions or talk about issues of, of inequity as a banker, mm-hmm. um, you know, as an HR leader, you have to, you know, change your approach. Um, and make sure you, you can deliver the same message, but even how you deliver it may be a little bit different based on the seat that you're sitting in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so certainly, um, there is development that is necessary and adjustments that are necessary mm-hmm. between roles and levels and functions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's something that I think is important to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that challenges one's authenticity. And right. very often, you know, what your perspective and experiences are that brings to the table that may challenge the status quo mm-hmm. uh, may just be the thing 
that's needed, right? Because Mm -hmm. when you think about what the word innovation means, it just means doing something different, right? Mm -hmm. And it's funny because everybody loves the idea of disruptive innovation, right? But a lot of people also are very averse to change, you know, and you can't have it both ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you have to understand that there's no difference between innovation and just doing something differently Mm. and accepting a different perspective. Your way way may be great, but it's not the only way and it may not be the best way. And to be open to that, both in terms of whether or not you're the person, uh, you know, bringing that different way into the mix Mm -hmm. or hearing how it might be done differently. I think, you know, that that's, that's the trick, right? You know, yeah, yeah. You know, that's the trick. And that's where also judgment comes into play. That's where relationships come into mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's where leadership comes yeah. into play. Yeah, right. You know, and ultimately, leaders have to make decisions and decision making is a skill as well. But oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, Decision making, you have to really, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that because when you decide, you divide, right? And you have to have a strong point of view and, you know, not be swayed because you're, you're wanting to be liked, right? Or you want to make sure that your decision isn't going to upset certain people. Can you talk about that? Cause you have to make a lot of hard decisions, right? And sometimes the topics and the, and the things that, you in your role talk about are something that people are like averse to, right? They don't want to deal with it. Can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the, even sometimes do you have that fear or those things that like bubble up when you're like, I have to make a hard decision and just tell people my point of view. How do you, how do you do that? Sure. You know, maybe I'll lead my answer to this question by saying, you know, I, I know and have accepted that I can't be all things to all people and that Mm. I will never please everyone. Mm. And I try to set a moral compass on, you know, what is right. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, when I look myself in the mirror, that I know that I did the best job in making those decisions Mm -hmm. in processing that information in taking in all the different perspectives Mm-hmm. And but ultimately, you know, a decision maker has to be decisive yes. and has to move the process forward. So mm-hmm. I absolutely solicit opinions. I absolutely am open to changing my mind. My team mm-hmm. knows that. I make mm-hmm. it very clear that I want to hear their opinions, mm-hmm. especially if they're different than mine mm-hmm. and why. And they know I might get a piece of information that actually I didn't have. Right. That could very easily change, you know, my direction or what I thought. Mm-hmm. I I very intentionally say when I have changed my mind or when somebody has offered me a new perspective that I mm-hmm. appreciate and has influenced me. I want my team to know that I am prepared to say I changed my mind or I was wrong or right. you know, you know because I want them to know that the opportunity to influence at me always exists. I right. also tell them to come prepared to influence. Right. You know, and that I have strong views that are typically well thought 
and mm-hmm. based on experience and more importantly, based on the data, which yes. again gets back to something we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. right? I I am always led and influenced by data. I'm a data-driven person. I work in a data-driven industry. Yes. Right? But there is new information that can be factored in and any leader has to make sure that uh, their team feels empowered to mm-hmm. offer that information no matter how junior or senior they are, no matter what mm-hmm. role they play on the team, and that it will be received. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the funny thing is that, um, you know, I, I advocate for diverse teams. Mm-hmm. I have a diverse team. And I recognize that diverse teams are harder to manage. Yeah. And when you think about the late Kathy Phillips research at Columbia Business School, she mm-hmm. absolutely demonstrates that diverse teams are higher performing, but yes. there is the caveat that they are well managed. Mm-hmm. And it is much harder to manage diverse <laughs> yes. teams because of all mm-hmm. the discourse and the different perspectives. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you get better decisions ultimately, mm-hmm. um, but it's not the same level of agreement mm-hmm. and comfort and consensus mm-hmm. that often comes when teams are homogenous. So they are not as harmonious. Right. And at times can even get a little, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But I love that. And, and I do think that my team knows that I really appreciate them for who they are. And what they bring to the table and that they have a voice at my table. Mm, that is so powerful. And I love what you said in terms of, you know, your your perspectives are always well thought out, researched. You you know that, but you're always open to the additional information and the data, but that you can't be all things to all people and knowing that whatever decision you make, there's going to be someone who may not be in total agreement or might be upset, but you have to move forward. And so making that decision. And knowing that you've kind of done your due diligence, it, it is what it is. That is so, so great. I mean, I could talk, we could talk forever and ever, and I know we have to wrap up. So I'm going to dive into our um, lightning round questions, which are fun because we get to know a little side of, of Erica that most people may not know. But um, let's start with your favorite book. What book has greatly influenced you? I'm going to have to go with Michelle Obama, Becoming. Mm, yes. Even just the title becoming, like accepting the fact that you're constantly becoming is so growth oriented. It's amazing. I love it. That's exactly right. And, and I feel like it's the story of my life. (laughs) Mm, I love it. What is your favorite inspiring quote or saying? Uh, Shirley Chisholm. Other people have been uh, aligned with this quote, but Shirley Mm -hmm. Chisholm, service is the rent we pay for the privilege of living on this earth. Mm, that is, I love that one. It's so amazing. Yeah. What is one word or moniker that you would use to describe yourself? Resilient. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to throw in a tenacious. Okay. Right? You know, I see it. I, I absolutely <laughs> see it. I would agree 100%. 100%. What is one change, a habit, behavior, action that you implemented that made your life better? Working out almost every day, no matter what. Mm. And just that one hour for me, for my physical health. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, I deeply believe that there is a connection between physical and mental health. Yes. Uh, but it is one hour that I am going so hard and really uh, don't even have the ability to, to run all the lists through my head, right. <laughs> and think about all the decisions I have to make. And, you know, the only thing I have to figure out is if I'm going to survive on the treadmill for the next, you know, 30 seconds or <laughs> whatever else, you know, I go to Orange Theory Fitness. So it's mm. an hour flat of intense, uh, you know, run, row and reps. <laughs> I love that. Yes. It's that me time. It's just, it's a form of self-care, right? I love that. That's right. So this is my favorite one and I already, I can already hear it, right? So Erica's about to step out on stage, address thousands of people. What is that power song you want playing as you walk out onto stage? Okay. So it depends on the audience. Uh-huh. So uh, it could be I'm Every Woman by Shaka Khan. Yes. Okay. Um, but you probably... Uh-huh. I would say Brooklyn, we go hard. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Brooklyn you know, my Brooklyn house. roots are the yeah, you know, really. It, it's what keeps me grounded. Uh huh. And yes. it's a huge part of my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, so I like all the Brooklyn anthems, like you know, uh-huh. even Brooklyn's finest. Brooklyn, we go hard. You <laughs> name it, a Brooklyn anthem. Mm-hmm. That would make me feel really proud walking out on the stage. Oh, I love it. I love it. Brooklyn in the house. And (laughs) hey, I was in Brooklyn for like better part of 17 years. So (laughs) I'm feeling it. Well, Erica, thank you so much for taking the time and, you know, gracing us with all of these amazing nuggets. And I know that we will stay connected. We run into each other all the time. But I will tell you that I know our audience is going to be reaching out and saying, how do we, you know, get in touch with Erica? How do we follow her and get all these Erica-isms, um, get our fix? What's the best way for them to connect? Sure. Well, definitely on LinkedIn. I okay. try to post a lot. Mm-hmm. And I also post where I'm speaking or mm-hmm. you know, what events I'm attending. And, um, and certainly... They can email me through LinkedIn and I can Mm -hmm. connect them either myself or with a member of my team, depending on on what they're focused on. Amazing. Well, again, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Always fun to hang out and chat with you and um, keep up the good work. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend, or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com, where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests.